I'm just going to say a few things before we get into the meat of our sermon this morning. Typically, we'll read our scripture passage through, and then I'll preach on the passage. Today, I'm going to be preaching from Acts 26, almost the entire chapter, and it, it would be hard to follow the reading of that much scripture uh, all together. So we're going to split it up into part and parcel, and that scripture passage is on the back of your bulletin, and, and as we go through the scripture, I'm go you're going to see that I'm going to pause and give you a few moments to think about it, and so really that's the page you want to be on as we go through our sermon this morning. As many of you know, we have been taking on together as a church the Red Letter Challenge. And the Red Letter Challenge is a daily devotional workbook with daily challenges. And the idea is to put our faith into practice daily. And as my wife said about the challenges this week, she said, these are all things that I would think about doing at some point, but I wouldn't think about doing them today. And so that's really the strength of the challenge. We're being challenged daily to do things that maybe we wouldn't think about doing on a specific day. And today we are taking on the fifth and final principle of the challenge. How many want to say hallelujah? We're getting near the end. The finish line is in sight. And this week's challenge, the principle is going. It's going to coffee, going to dinner, going to the playground or to the party, going to school or going to soccer, but that's not all it is. It's going to do those things that you do in your daily life. And when you get there, it's going to talk about Christ. The and so I am a Presbyterian minister. I know as Presbyterians, like no, we, we kind of leave that to God. We're, we, we, we're not just going to go out there and, and put our faith on display. However, perhaps it's not part of our culture or our religious culture, but it is what Jesus tells us to do. When you get to the end of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is going to say things like, go and make disciples teaching, right? Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Go and proclaim. Go and preach. Go and witness. These are all of Jesus' last recorded words in the four Gospels as well as in the book of Acts. Anyone already feeling uncomfortable about this type of going? Do you wish I just stopped at going to coffee? I think out of the five principles we've looked at, being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going, going is the one that makes most of us the most nervous. And if we're honest, the minute we're asked to go and talk about Christ, go and express our beliefs about God, or go and talk about the Bible, the walls go up. Why? First, we're afraid. 
We're afraid if we introduce Christ to the conversation, people's opinions of us might change. We may be viewed as pushy, naive, and awkward. Second, we don't exactly know what to say. Do you just say to someone, wow, what a beautiful fall day. Thank God for this wonderful fall weather. Speaking of God, did you know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but enjoy an eternity of beautiful heavenly days? We're not sure what to say. And third, we're convinced that we don't know enough. No matter how long or how short we've been sitting in churches, listening to sermons, studying the Bible, there's this part of us that convinces us that we don't know enough to explain our faith to someone else. When it comes to going and telling others our faith story, we're afraid. We feel inadequate and insecure. And if you feel this way, it doesn't make you unfaithful. It means that you are normal and you just need a little help in growing into going and today help is here we're going to look at the great missionary the apostle paul's formula for going and telling his story and throughout the week through the red letter challenge workbook There are tips and tools and resources that are going to help you grow into going. So let's look at Acts 26 and begin with a little historical context. So Acts 26 is about perhaps the greatest missionary in the church's history. His name is Paul. If you grew up Catholic, perhaps Episcopalian, you learn to refer to him as St. Paul in Presbyterian and Lutheran circles. We call him the Apostle Paul. Paul is a man who had been in and out of prison. That may surprise you because he is St. Paul, but he often found himself in chains. And the reason he was in and out of prison is because Paul was a person who would go and tell others about Jesus Christ. And those in Israel at that time, many faithful Jews opposed Paul's going and telling. They actually wanted to kill Paul. What Paul had going for him was he was a Roman citizen. And in that day, that meant that he had rights. He could not be killed by a Jewish mob or court without first being tried and found guilty of crimes in a Roman court. And the new governor, Festus, had no idea what to do with Paul's case. And the governor called on the regional king. His name was King Agrippa. And King Agrippa was born a Jew, but he had forsaken the Jewish people for his own personal gain. He lived lavishly while his people suffered in poverty. Agrippa also wasn't exactly a a beacon of moral integrity. King Agrippa had an affair with his sister, and his sister had been married to his uncle. So talk about an obvious moral failing. 
King Agrippa was despised and disdained by his people. And so now Paul is going to go to trial. He'll be in a courtroom with Governor Festus as well as King Agrippa. And some of you over the years have thought, if, if you could only tell your least favorite politician, give them a piece of your mind, you fantasized about what you would say if you had their ear. And so Paul has his moment before King Agrippa. They're all together in a courtroom and here's how Paul begins his defense and begins to tell the story of Jesus Christ. And we'll begin here in verse 2. This, this is breathtaking, astounding. He can say anything to the king. He says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted. You are an expert with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. See, Paul could have begun by pointing out his moral failures, his weaknesses as a leader, frankly, to, to, to point out his sin. But instead, Paul thanks him for his time. He shows his gratitude. Paul shows honor to the king by pointing out not his weaknesses, but his strengths. He says, you're, you're well acquainted with Jewish customs and controversies. And Paul humbly asks for King Agrippa to listen. See, I think one mistake that Christians make is that when they go to tell their faith story, they're compelled to begin with the other person's weaknesses, failings, and sins. But this is not how Paul begins. Paul begins by showing the person before him gratitude, honor, and humility. When we begin, when we feel led to, to tell the story of Jesus Christ, we begin with gratitude, honor, and humility. In other words, you can't go wrong if you go in love, right? This is Christ's way. Begin with a heart prepared to show love to the person before you. I'm going to ask you to take a minute and you can write it down with a, on, on the back of your sermon notes or perhaps take notes in your phone. But maybe take a second and write down one or two people in your life who are in need of God's love? Who does the Holy Spirit want to highlight in your life? Who, who is in need of honor in God's love? Go ahead, take a second to think about it. Paul continues in verse 6, and now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise of our 12... The 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. See how many times Paul mentioned the word hope in two verses. We live in a day where people have never been more Cynical. I even believe as, as I listen to family and friends talk about the elections coming up that people have never been more cynical. It's, you know, there, there was a, a statistic that came out recently saying that it's the first time 
since the Great Depression that a majority of Americans believe that the next generation will inherit a world that is worse off than the one they were born into. Friends, neighbors, family members, members of our community are in need of our reason for hope. Right? People are saying the, the country, the world is heading in the wrong direction and they are in need of a reason to hope. And Paul is leading with love and going to tell the story of eternal hope. The story of no matter what is happening in our world, we have reason to hope. Take another minute to write down the name of anyone who comes to mind who needs hope. Who's a part of your life who is desperate for a reason to hope? We lead with love and hope. What's the next step? We've prefaced everything with we're going to share our faith. We're going to tell our story about Christ. Well, when we read verses 9 through 11, you're going to find that Paul begins to talk an awful lot about himself. Here it is, verse, beginning in verse 9. It says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. And I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. When we go and share our faith, we begin by talking about ourselves. We talk about Christ by talking about ourselves. Paul is talking all about himself and he's going to tell the Jesus story by telling them his personal faith story. He's telling them what life was like BC before Christ. I've listened to a lot of people tell their faith stories over the years and one common feature appears. I went away to college and I got away from God. I, someone in my life passed or we went through a difficult situation in our family and I wandered away from God. And this is what happened to Paul. He went away for rabbinical school in Jerusalem, kind of the, the Harvard or the Princeton of his day. And when he went away to school in Jerusalem, he got away from God. He was convinced that he was doing all the right things, but it turns out that he was doing all the wrong things. He was taken over by an obsession. He had an anger issue. He was out of control. When you think about your life before Christ, what was your life like before Christ? Or was there a period in which you were far from God? What was life like for you before Christ? Were you overcome by an obsession? Before Christ, did you have an anger issue? Before Christ, were you out of control in a specific area of 
your life. Or maybe it was just before Christ, you felt empty. You tried to fill it with everything that the world had to offer, but you knew that you were still missing something. Take a second and write down a word or two about what life was like before Christ or far from God. Was, was there a particular season when you felt far from God? What was that like? Next, Paul shares how he came to know and follow Christ. Verse 12. On one of those journeys, when, when he, he was heading out, forcing people to blaspheme and persecuting them, hunting them down. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Are you intimidated? I am. This, this might be the world's most dramatic conversion stories. And I don't know about you, but I do not have a story that is as dramatic as the Apostle Paul. Some of us assume if our story is not so dramatic, we don't have a story worth sharing. See, for some dramatic conversion stories are their stories, but for others of us, we have a more gradual faith story. There are many happenings, circumstances, things that we experience along the journey that has brought us to faith in God. And, and don't underestimate the value of perhaps those little experiences that you've had with God. And don't underestimate the impact of sharing those with someone else. I think of a, a story of a man that we'll call George. George had been going through a very messy divorce. And what made it worse for George is his life was falling apart and he was to blame. He had been unfaithful to his wife. George, his, his life was shaken. He was hurting. And so he did something that he never thought he would do. He joined a divorce care group. And after a few sessions, during one of those sessions, George began to break down and cry. All the shame that he felt around his divorce began coming out. And in that moment, those in that group surrounded George and they held him as he wept. And George said it was in that moment that for the first time, he experienced God's love. And he came to the church 
And the church was helping him grow in his faith. But he still had questions about Christ. His journey, his conversion was a gradual process that God was bringing him through. But it was that very story that George needed to tell. It was a story that all of us can relate to on some level. For some of us, conversion is a longer and more gradual process with moments of discovery and new insights and new questions. Take a moment and write down a few sentences about how you came to know Christ or are growing in your faith. Finally, Paul shares the difference God has made in his life. Beginning at verse 19. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, and then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God, and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Paul finishes his story by describing the difference God has made in his life. Before Christ, he was angry. He was obsessed with hurting people. Before Christ, he was out of control. And now he's living in Christ's love. He's doing something that he opposed, that he never thought he would do. He is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when people come up against him, whether they're Gentiles who he used to be prejudiced against or Jews who are trying to kill him, Paul is not filled with vengeance. He can handle it with peace and grace and love. Paul had found his life's purpose. That is the difference God has made in his life. What is the difference God has made in your life? Have you been set free from an issue? Are you no longer obsessed with the wrong things? Has he forgiven you and made you more forgiving? Has he given you direction and purpose for life? Take a minute and write down a few sentences that describe how you are different since Christ came into your life. I want to conclude with this. The, Paul is the, one of the greatest missionaries in the history of Christianity. And he shares his faith story by telling his own story. Well, you can, you can read about it this week, how it turns out for the Apostle Paul, the powerful missionary Paul, St. Paul. But I'll just give you a, a little something. You'd expect it to go quite well, right? He obeyed the Lord. He went before others and he told his faith story. King Agrippa and Governor Festus, they say, they, they conclude, you're crazy. The, the biblical word is insane. They call him, you're crazy. And so here he is in this courtroom. He did everything right. And, you know, our worst fears come to light for Paul. 
You want to be seen as naive, pushy, and awkward? No, I must be accepted by all people. Well, Paul was not accepted. His testimony was not received by those he was hoping to persuade. I was thinking about an incident I had some time ago. I was out and I was out actually getting coffee and I saw a man and it was pretty early in the morning and I saw a man, he was sitting in his car and he was getting drunk. And I thought to myself, what pain this man must be in. 10 o'clock in the morning, he is trying to drown his sorrows with alcohol. You know, this is, this is truly a person in, in, in need. He's poisoning his body. So what do I do? I go over to him with my coffee, knock on a window, with the intention of telling him about the one who has freed me from my own pain, Jesus Christ. Well, he looked at me, he turned as white as a ghost, and he drove away as fast as he could. And you would say, wow, that didn't work out for you well, Pastor. You know what, it did. Because that day when I got home, and I washed my face, and I was washing up, and I remembered the day I saw myself. I looked at myself in the mirror, and I thought, you know, I like this guy. I don't like the guy who doesn't live out his faith. I don't like the guy who says maybe tomorrow. I don't like the guy who, who, who just kind of pushes it off and says that person is a lost cause. I like the guy. I like the girl. We like to be the people who say, I'm going to spread love and hope and truth of Jesus Christ no matter what it costs me. So put the walls down and go in love. Go in hope. Go and tell your story because your story is a story worth sharing. Thanks be to God. Amen.